Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Good morning, brothers and now, sisters in Christ. David Fiorazzo. Thank you so much for listening to Stand Up For The Truth. I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest and another pastor who gave his testimony a month ago when I was at that pastor's conference, America at the Crossroads, down in Dallas, Texas. What has happened since that conference, I'm excited to uh, tell you more about and how pastors went back to their home churches and hopefully are stirring up congregations you know, around the country. But we need to be bold in these last days. We need to speak the truth in love, but we need, do need to speak the truth. And I'm so blessed to have our guest today. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, Lord God, thank you so much for giving us a voice. Thank you for giving us a purpose and mission for every good and perfect gift is from you. We recognize that, Lord, and you promise to complete the work you began in each one of us. Well, Father, help us stop talking about being salt and light and help us be salt and light to preserve this culture, this country, and to shine the light of Christ and expose the darkness and confront evil instead of backing away from it. Lord, thank you for bold men of God, men of the faith that are in churches across the country. I know there's a remnant, there's a small number. We pray in Jesus' name that you would get these messages out to people who would lovingly and respectfully go to their pastors and just ask them to speak about all the issues and the whole counsel of God. Lord, stir up our hearts today. We pray that your will be done, not ours. We ask that you lead this podcast by your Holy Spirit, that you would give us the words to speak, to encourage, to challenge, to equip, and also to stir up the body of Christ, Lord. For such a time as this, we are here, and we need you now more than ever, especially with what's happening in our country. We love you. We thank you for the free speech and the religious freedom we have in this nation and just the ability to talk about the important issues we get to talk about today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's guest, we're blessed to have Pastor Steve Smotherman, uh, senior pastor of Legacy Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, He's married uh, 30 years, I think, with his wife. And uh, Steve, do you have any grandchildren? I, I have. I've been married. I'll be married 35 years Monday. I have three children and eight grandchildren. Uh, you don't look that old, brother. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to dress it up the best you can. <laughs> well, you've got a couple books on Amazon, and I just want to point out to one, one that we talked about before we got on the air. It's called Big Problems, Bigger God, Whatever You Need for Whatever You Face. Um, I want to ask you what this book is about, but in light of what we are going to talk about today, persecution and how governors and particularly blue state governors are coming against the church and they're discriminating. There's a lot of double standards we're seeing and under the guise of you know safety and the health and the virus and all that. Well, the church is essential, but we dropped the ball as the body of Christ uh, several months ago, and now we're just trying to recover. We'll ask you specifically how your church is dealing with that, but first, your book, Big Problems, Bigger God, uh, tell us about it and uh, why you decided to write it. Well, um, first of all, thank you for having me on your uh, program here, man. I'm, I'm very appreciative, and, um, and uh, you know, there's a lot going on in our country, so thank you for having me. And so I wrote this book with the thought, you know, dealing with just people, uh, people uh, dealing with challenges, you know, pain, uh, disappointment, uh, regrets, you know, things that they can't talk about, um, and how people tend to falter or uh, fold their hand. There's a whole thing on you got to play the hand you're dealt. And so I wrote it with the thought that um, people would stay in there no matter what they're facing, no matter the setbacks, no matter even when they make a mistake. They just keep moving forward hmm. uh, because that's the only way we'll truly experience the love and grace of God. We won't experience it when we go backwards. We'll, we'll experience when we just plow through, fight through, realize it hurts, it's painful, there's regret, um, and, and how great God is if we'll just 
keep moving forward with him. I mean, it doesn't even if we move an inch at a time, it's better than going backwards. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the thought of the whole uh, why I wrote that. Thank you. We're going to put that link in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Here's a little teaser. We're going to get to Pastor Steve's story of what happened four years ago when uh, Donald Trump won the election and a lot of people left his church. We're going to let him share that story. But first, uh, Steve, there's kind of like our, our audience kind of tends to look at small churches as maybe more biblically sound and uh, solid and unafraid to speak out when you're talking about the remnant, the small percentage of small churches in the country. You've got a mega church, and on this website that uh, we were blessed to be a part of, uh, the American at the Crossroads, um, Liberty Pastors, it asks, why are we trying to reach pastors? And it says, as pastors, we are not called to be church builders acting as CEOs competing with the church down the block. We are called to proclaim the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ alone to a lost world and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And it goes on. But Steve, you've got a really big church. I think you have uh, four or five campuses. And I would love for you to share um, how that works, especially in a blue state in New Mexico, one of the bluest in the country, and a, a liberal government, and in fact, hostile toward Christianity, not just liberal. But you've got a church that continues to grow, even though, you know, what happened four years ago. Um, how are you doing that? Because I know you are a patriot pastor, outspoken on, the, on all the issues, social, quote, political, which are moral issues. Please share with us, some of us that are confused, thinking that how can you be a mega church and people, you know, growing in your church and um, be addressing some of the issues that we have to face today? Well, that's a, 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 an interesting question. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I just believe what I believe, and, and I think I, I believe the Bible unashamedly. I, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus' teachings, uh, Paul's writings, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I think and, and it's it's interesting, you know, we've had church consultants and different people talk to us over the years and said, we would never advise you to build a church like you're building it. And we and we don't even know how you built it in a place and a climate that you're at. Exactly. And and I think I think, you know, when you're bold and you believe the scriptures and you teach them, then I think that helps people say, Well, it's okay. It almost gives them permission to believe the Bible. And so we built a great church. I serve with the best people. Um, I have a great staff that that really works hard, and they're they're just they're, I've just I've just been blessed. I don't know why, but I have, and and we built it just one person at a time. You know, I I reach the people that nobody wants, and God seems to send me the people everybody wants, and to help us with the mission of reaching the lost. And you can't reach the lost by watering down the scriptures. It gives a a wrong impression. It it lets them think that they come to God on their own terms, but we come to God on His terms. We have to humble ourselves before Him, and that's when you receive grace. And so I've just stood for the truth and said, here it is. If you want to come, come. If you don't, don't. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not trying to cater to, uh, you know, the secular society and the culture. And so we just, we just built it. I don't, you know, it's, we just keep preaching the truth and teaching the truth, and, and people are getting saved and set free and helped. And um, they're realizing that it only comes from the truth. And we teach from the pulpit, you have to stand up for your biblical values. Mm-hmm. We, we, can't, we can't just say we're Christians in name only and not stand up for what we believe. And, and that means we're going to be counterculture. We're going to go against the culture. And, and, and so that's how we built it. Um, David, we just, we just build it one person at a time and fight for the truth, and we never back down from it, and we never apologize for it either. Well, I know because of that stance, which uh, I just say thank you, thank you for being faithful to the truth, faithful to the Word of God, because I've traveled around the country, and there's not a lot of churches who are strong on the Scriptures and sound doctrine. They're more I don't know what you would describe them as, uh, not not necessarily topical, but just they really don't go deep into the issues like we need to do in this day and age and really equip and disciple. But this was back, I'm looking at this 
website, New Mexico Politics, you've been attacked, Steve. And um, I just pulled up just some of them um, for uh, pastors' comments, spark protest, online debate, gay rights group to protest pastor, uh, pastors' political activity scrutinized. That was from 2011 or 12. So I'd love for you to share a little bit of your history before leading up to what you shared about 2016 and when you were praying for or at a Trump rally. Could you go back in your history after you took over the church? Uh, I think it was 18 years ago, 19? Uh, yeah, a little over 18 years ago. Yeah, so you're building the church, and I don't know if your preaching style uh, changed through the years or if you've always been strong and on and cultural or social issues, so-called. Um, but go back to these some of these times where you would share a sermon as you're going through the Word of God. Uh-oh, there you go. we got to talk about homosexuality now because the Scriptures address it. So share some of this blowback and when it started and how you dealt with those attacks. Well, that um, so how it began was uh, I was raised in, a, in a, a home where my dad was 24 years in the Air Force. He served in Korea and Vietnam. So he taught, um, there's five, five siblings, he taught us to be patriots. I mean, on my 18th birthday, he took me to the uh, post office where I signed up for the draft and I registered to vote. And um, I mean, so that's, that's kind of the home I grew up in. He wasn't really a Christian most of his life, but he was a patriot and he's very conservative and he just believed in a strong military and government out of our life. And so it was instilled in me as a young, just growing up, that you love America. You stand for what's right. And then, you know, you get born again, you get saved, and then it just makes sense that we have to not only stand up, you're taught to stand up for your country, now you're, stand, you're taught to stand up for the kingdom you belong to. And so I've kind of always had that bent. And then when I feel like there's an injustice, like the homosexual stuff, the homosexual marriage um, you know, in our state, um, we just stood up and fought it. We just said it's wrong. And we won two times in our legislature here that is 90 years of being ruled by the Democrats, the, the liberals. We won when we were told we won't win. And uh, we, we helped lead that fight. We took people up to Santa Fe in the Capitol where the, uh, the, where the governors, uh, you know, in the legislature is. And we just fought. We just said, this is wrong. We're not going to sit by and just let you do what you're going to do. We're going to push back. And we won. We, we turned a lot of Democrat senators and representatives, we turned them because of our efforts to, to just say no. So um, they lost that. And then we all know the story with uh, President Obama and all that, how, how the Supreme Court ruled. But we, so we just fought. So that was kind of the beginning of some of this stuff is just, uh, that's when it kind of launched, and they protested, and, and I just thought it's free publicity, so great. <laughs> Stay out there as long as you want. And I told our people, don't be mean to them. Don't even address them. Let them stand out there. And they didn't stand out there very long. They, they didn't have a lot of perseverance. But, um, and so that's kind of how it began. And, and then, you know, other things. When I was in Roswell pastoring, you know, I took on the school where they wouldn't let kids go to school with scriptures on their shirt. And um, wow. but they let the Wiccan witches, the the Wiccan group, mm -hmm. they let them, and so we fought that. So if you look up my name, that's on there where they were <laughs> attacking me, and I'm like, well, these are these are this is demonic. Yes. But you won't let our kids wear a scripture reference, but you'll let these people wear all their stuff. And so you know, I took on the school board, and brought 200 people to a meeting, and they couldn't believe it. And and um. So it's just kind of always been in me that, you know, we've got to fight for godly principles. And, and this philosophy that you were talking about, big churches, you know, mega churches, they, they, they faltered. They, they backed off. They're afraid. Yes. It's more about building a crowd than a church. And I think I may have said this at, at the conference that the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but it does not say it won't prevail against the crowd. And, and these guys are building crowds, trying to make everybody happy and comfortable Amen. instead of building the church, which means you have to sacrifice. You have to deny your life and yourself to follow Christ. And so that's, that's just kind of my thinking and my belief according to the Scriptures. So that's kind of how it began. So from there, it's just, it's just 
grown. And thank you so much for, like I said, continuing to take a stand. It is not popular today as we get in more and more into a secular-influenced uh, nation. Um, but this was 2012, that story I mentioned, one of them I pulled up, where the gay rights group was protesting in front of your church. The reason I asked about that, and that caught my eye, because at the pastor's conference you were sharing your testimony. And now let's take people up to 2016, and you, all you did, you were asked to either pray for or MC at a Trump rally. And when you showed up, there were already protesters there, and I would love for you to pick up that story. We've got five minutes before we need to take a break, Pastor Steve. Um, quickly then, um, I, I was asked uh, to MC uh, the, the, when he came uh, and the Trump rally. So when I did that, I had a, a person there that kind of helped manage my Facebook because I, I really don't manage it. Um, and he said, hey, I'll video this if you want. And I said, great. I just thought for an archive to say if he wins, man, I had a part in this, right? Just thinking innocently, which is probably the wrong way to think. <laughs> so, so they posted this thing on Facebook, and then, uh, man, it just broke loose. People were attacking me, calling me every kind of thing. I was kind of shocked. And then I was watching Christians fight, and so so I stood up one day. I got mad about it. I shouldn't have. Uh, I mean, this was a mistake, but I got mad. And I sat down in a chair in front of the church after a Sunday message. I shortened it and just said, listen, I don't need your permission to support who I support. Um, I didn't ask for it. I don't need it. If you don't like it, you can you can vote with your feet and money. You can leave. <laughs> well, <laughs> so so nothing happened then. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward to November, uh, for whenever the election was on that on that Tuesday, mm-hmm. and um, a week after that, we lost 1,566 giving units, and so you multiply that by the nuclear family 2.7, we lost between 3,200 and 4,000 people literally overnight. Wow! They left, and I and we were. For the first time in the history of that, I've been the pastor of this church. We were down financially for the next three or four months, 11 percent. Um, I mean, it just it really kind of, um, you know, messes with you a little bit. And but, you know, at towards the end of our fiscal year, we were only down, you know, 0.7 percent financially. And, and then all of a sudden we started growing again. And now we're just we're just going strong. And so so we we took a big hit. I mean, you to lose. Between 3,200 and 4,000 people is a pretty big, pretty big oh my goodness. chunk of people. Yeah, and you said something very profound, and I don't want to uh, quote you because I don't remember the exact wording, but you said uh, this comes down to people putting their D or R, meaning their politics, before their Christian faith, to have that many people. And by the way, they didn't leave the church when you said the prayer for at that Trump rally, when you opened up the Trump rally. They left when Donald Trump won the election because they probably didn't think he had any chance, but then were angry that you were a part of it. But these, Steve, these were Christians at your church, Legacy Church, a solid Christian church in New Mexico, and yet, because of their politics, they said, you know what, we're leaving. That, to me, I'm just still trying to wrap my brain around that. Well, I mean, let's go back and, and... Because it's true. It, they didn't leave until after he won because they didn't think he was going to win. <laughs> so I call them so-called Christians because when you put anything before your Christianity or your, your, as a believer in the Scriptures, it's an idol. And so these people are so wrapped around, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, instead I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and my Bible dictates what I believe. Amen. So when you come to Christ, He changes everything. You, you submit your life to him, and you put your life in his hands. Now, everything is, is up in the air to be changed. And so one of the things that these people refused to change, they wanted to support a baby killer. They wanted to support someone that I, I, would, I, would, I grieve to think, how can we as believers support people who support everything that the Bible teaches is wrong? Because they're unwilling to deny themselves. They never die to themselves. So what does the Bible say? If you don't do that, you lose your life. Hmm. And so these people decided that, hey, I hate Donald Trump. I love Hillary Clinton or whoever it was. I mean, it was her at the time. And they left. Hmm. And, and because they can't handle the truth. 
It's the truth that sets us free. These people are in bondage. And so I always call them so-called believers, so-called Christians, because if they were true believers, that, that would have never happened. Amen. Amen. We've got about 30 seconds left, so I won't ask you another question, but I will just tease the next segment with Pastor Steve Smotherman, Legacy Church, Albuquerque, New Mexico. He had a conversation with at least one person who said, I don't care what the Bible says. I believe in a woman's right to choose. I'll have him share that story, plus what he really thinks about the governor there and how COVID restrictions continue to affect churches around the country. More when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's today, Stand Pastor Up For The Steve Truth with David Fiorazzo. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, one of the bluest states in the country. We'll find out a little bit more about the government there in a few minutes. Pastor Steve, um, I teased this story that you told at this conference a month ago down in Dallas where you were having a conversation about well, with, with a pro-choice woman, I'm not going to say a believer. You don't know if she was converted or truly converted or not. Maybe she was. Maybe she was backslidden. I don't know. But tell us how that conversation came about. I'm sure you were talking about issues of life, uh, preaching maybe against abortion, something to do with that 2016 election, and, and you had this conversation. Well, you know, I was teaching that, um, you, you know, as believers, we can't support anybody who believes in killing babies. Um, we don't want to call it murder. We want to call it abortion. We want to call it a woman's right to choose. We want to water down that whole thing. Thank you. It's really murdering uh, innocent uh, children. And um, so I would say that from the pulpit over and over again. I cannot, and I don't think we should ever support anybody who believes in killing babies. It's just wrong for any reason. So this lady had been in our church a long time, uh, we had helped her a bunch, and so any pastor listening would be like, yeah, we, we, it seems like the people you help the most are the ones that leave. <laughs> and so I knew her. We got in a conversation about the election. I, I remember telling her, I said, you know, I could never vote for Hillary Clinton, ever. And I said, even if I got out and talked about it like that, the whole church would leave. And she goes, I know. And then we got to talking about abortion, and I said, abortion is my number one issue. Hmm. What do you do with the unborn? Because if you can kill a baby, you, you, can, you can do anything that's uh, evil. That's I right. Mean, it, there's nothing off the table. And during the conversation, she, you know, we were kind of into it a little bit. She finally said to me, because I was pressing her, she said, I don't care what the Bible says. I believe in a woman's right to choose. And at that point, I was stunned. And I said, what did you just say? <laughs> And she said, I just said, I don't care what the Bible says. I believe in a woman's right to choose. And I said, okay, first of all, this conversation's over. Uh, we're done. We have no ground uh, foundation to go from now because you don't believe the Bible. So this conversation's over. You can leave. I don't care if you ever come back, but this conversation's done right now. Mm. So that was the end of the conversation. So sad. Um, and that is someone putting their politics above their faith, and that's what this culture is kind of molding and shaping people to do with talking points and, uh, um, you know, a theology of feeling and emotion, meaning, oh, we, we do want to be for the woman, right, and her privacy and her rights, but we forget completely the foundation of what Scripture teaches about personhood at conception. I mean, the Bible refers to the unborn as, or I'm, I'm a pregnant woman as being with child. I mean, look at Luke 141, the, the, the story we share at Christmas all the time, where the baby leaped for joy in Elizabeth's womb when Mary went to visit her. Steve, your thoughts? Oh, we weren't going to get into this, but I do want to now make this transition here and talk about the uh, nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. And uh, But I want you to just share a little bit more in depth your thoughts on how people can get either deceived or duped by the teachings in our culture or the talking points in our culture by the media or whoever and get away from the solid and clear teachings about life that are in the Word of God? Well, you know, my thought is this. Um, you only know what you're being taught. Most Christians are pulpit-fed. Ninety percent or over ninety percent of any scripture or word they get is, comes from the pulpit. I believe that's why Jesus, the Bible teaches that you know, you, you might not want to be a teacher because you're going to be held with a higher standard. You're going to be judged totally different. Mm. 
And I think what's happened in our culture, and you mentioned the megachurches, and, and they've watered down the scriptures to the point that we think we just come to God on our own terms. But there's one way to come to Christ, that's humble yourself. And I think because they have no foundation, they have no scripture in them, that to renew their mind, to renew their thinking, they think everything's optional. Mm. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. you you got, you got to leave everything behind and, and put him first. And so, so I, I, I do believe that's the issue. So people, they don't, they, they, they just think it's optional. Like, well, I can support abortion or not. And, and let me say this to anybody listening. If you've had one, the thing our church does so well here is, man, we'll help people get through that because women, it leaves a hole in them, whether they realize it or not. So I never want to be callous about people that have had one and then they get right with God, that God will forgive them and help them. But, but so people don't know the scriptures. I don't know how many conversations I've had when people are arguing with me, like, I can't believe you said my son's going to hell. And I said, when did I say that? Well, he's a homosexual. And I said, no, the Bible said that. <laughs> and then they, they finally looked at me and said, um, well, I don't know much about the Bible. And I, I didn't say it, but you think it, well, that's obvious. But they were mad at me and because they don't know the scriptures. So mm-hmm. when you water down the scriptures to build a crowd, when you try to make people happy where the Bible doesn't say make people happy, when you're trying to, uh, when you're trying to scratch the itching ears and make everything palatable, um, people have no foundation. And the only way to renew our minds is through the Word of God. And so when it's not being preached, the unadulterated Word of God this is what the Bible says, you deal with it, then they have nothing to go by. And so what they're getting is a bunch of nonsense. Mm. And the way they're voting and acting um, shows that. It's, it's nonsense. Yes, it does. If you're in the Word of God, which if you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, your behavior will change. That means how you vote will change, God willing, unless you make your political party an idol. And that's a big problem, I believe, with Christians, idolatry of their political party. They know what Scripture says, but they can't break away from whether it's the family tradition or what they, how they've always voted or everybody around them, if they're in a blue state or whatever. And I mean Republicans, too. I'm not just saying Democrats. Republicans are not always angels. But, Steve, to continue this conversation about the pro-life issue, um, I recently, a couple days ago, I came across a website— and I don't know if you heard about this, pro-life evangelicals for Biden. This is a real thing. And I asked the question, I just did an article yesterday in a video, in what universe does this remotely make sense from a biblical worldview that you can be for or support this radical pro-abortion agenda and platform that is the Democrat Party uh, and, and say you're a pro-life evangelical how can you have first of all have you heard about this group and can you make sense of that no i i have not and you can't make sense of that because it it, it's it it doesn't work you you can't be a believer and support anybody who's pro-death so you can't be pro-life and support pro-death and the biden harris ticket that they're probably the most um well hillary was bad too they're probably as much as she is pro-death. They, they just want to kill babies. It's population control. It's the Bill Gates stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it doesn't make sense. So if someone said, I'm a pro-life believer, but I'm a support Biden, I'd say, you're neither. <laughs> you're not a believer and you're not pro-life because how do you, I mean, how do you say you're pro-life and support an abortionist? You, mm. it, it doesn't make any sense. No. And that's what's happened. They knew God. Romans 1, 21, 22 is so so right for today. Mm-hmm. They knew God. They didn't glorify him of God. Neither were they thankful. And and they thought themselves to be wise and they became fools. You know, the, and, and when you said earlier, the Bible teaches that because of the traditions of men, we make the word of God of no effect. In other words, it has no effect on us. It has no power. And so these people, they're not hypocrites. They're just so lost and deceived um, that they don't care about what's right. They don't care about God's word. All they care about is their own feelings and thoughts. And, and when I came to Christ, he said, Steve, I need to change your thoughts. They're unwilling to be changed. Amen. And um, this is what I've come to understand now, this term uh, or this, yeah, cognitive dissonance is what I've come to 
understand when I hear people do these things or uh, contradict themselves. It's when a person's behavior doesn't line up with their beliefs. The dictionary definition of it is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. So if you believe God's Word when it comes to, well, if you believe the Scripture, period, and you say, I'm a Christian, I believe the Bible is true. But when it comes to voting, for example, you go against what the Bible teaches. You are then in contradiction, which you have a problem, believer, if you say one thing and do another. Um, Steve, at that conference, Paul Blair and Dan Fisher and so many men of God said, how could Jesus not be Lord over every area of my life? I can't divorce my faith from my politics. When I go into the voting booth, Jesus is Lord of who I vote for. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, I totally agree that, you know, people tell you all the time, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And I look at them like, really? The Bible <laughs> says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, you know, it talks about when you confess him as Lord, then you'll be saved. And so we want salvation without lordship. It doesn't work that way. Even biblically, you can read it. It's just very clear. You, lordship is submitting my will to his will. And that means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support his causes, his ways. And I'm not saying the Republican Party is godly and, and, and uh, you know, all Democrats are ungodly. What I'm saying is we have to support the, the group, whatever it's called, that, more is in, that is more in line with the scriptures yes. um, than not. We're not vote, you know, people have a problem with Donald Trump. They don't like his personality. Well, I'm not voting for a pastor. I'm not voting for a guy with a good personality. I'm voting for a guy that's making the country do better, that's doing better in the country, and stands for my biblical values. I said at the beginning of your program, my number one issue is life. It's about, it's about uh, letting babies have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so based on that, and scripturally, I believe I'm sound, that people, they don't want lordship. They want salvation. They want to make sure they're not going to hell, but they won't want anybody telling them what to do. And here's how they justify it, Steve, uh, when they say they're pro-life and or evangelical Christian and support Biden. And I would love for you to respond to give people a, a way to articulate this, because we come around the, across these people all the time in, in our culture or on social media or wherever. They say um, poverty kills millions every year. So does a lack of health care, smoking and racism. And then they say unless we quickly make major changes this is on their website devastating climate change will kill tens of millions so in other words these are important issues that kill people too so abortion is not their number one issue as quote evangelical christians your thoughts on you know poverty uh, health care racism and climate change well i mean when it comes to poverty i mean the bible doesn't really tell us what to do for the poor it just says just talk about they'll always be with us and and we and, and these people never separate the lazy from the poor. Well, that that's the greatest issue because for the lazy we have zero obligation. For the poor, that's alms giving. I'll do it, you know what I believe, and God just lets us know they'll be there. And 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 the thought is that um, these people who use these things, it's a cop out because you know if I die of a sickness, that that's not because I killed myself or someone killed me. That's because I got sick in my body. I didn't take care of it or whatever. And, and, man, I, I died. We're talking about the difference between murder and, and all these other things. And climate change, uh, for a Christian um, to, to buy into that is crazy. They, they, they deny Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. I say this a lot. That Do we think God is so small and so dumb that he said that um, I'm going to create this earth and it's not going to be enough for the population? Because climate change and all those things include population control. Jesus said, or God said, be fruitful and multiply, and, and he never said stop. He made the planet big enough. If there was 10 billion people, it still would be able to have more. And so they use these cop-outs because of their lack of knowledge, lack of foundation in the scriptures, and they justify it um, based on ignorance. And that's the, that's the reality. It's just complete ignorance of the scriptures. When, when you kill a baby, you're choosing to murder that that child. Mm. That's got health care. Okay, maybe we need to do better with health care. 
Poverty, they're always going to be with us. We and, and, and until the government separates the lazy and the poor, um, I, I don't <laughs> mind helping out someone who's working hard. And if they need childcare, let's help them because they're contributing. The lazy, they just need to go hungry. Hmm. That's what my Bible teaches. Just let them go hungry because sooner or later they'll get up and get something done. Wow. And and so when these people yes. talk like this, and you've heard it, I've heard it, we've all heard. It, I just look at them and say, that's the most ignorant, ignorant. Um, uh, reason that I've ever heard. And again, it goes back to they're not renewing their mind. It's causes. It's their idols. It's the, you know, the climate change means more to them than, than a baby in a womb. And, and I'm thinking the difference is if, if, if there's climate change constantly, we know that. And, and we, we don't know really how the earth goes when it goes. We pick a time and a space at a time and say, okay, this is what it is, and now the earth is a billion years old. But there's, there's no real <laughs> concrete evidence for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe the earth is 6,000 years old. But So I'm a cre- I believe in creation. And Amen. so when people talk like that, really, just to help people, you just got to look at them and you got to shock them. And, and, and tra- instead of trying to appease them, you just have to look as nice as you can and say, that's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard. Because these babies don't have a choice. You get to live your life. You get to take care of your body or not. People get sick. There's diseases. But, but no one's murdering you. Mm. No, one's, no one's taking your life without you having a say. And, and that's the difference. And thank you, Pastor Steve. The logical uh, conclusion to these thoughts about climate change or environmentalism is basically population control because man is the problem. You've got too many men and we're not treating the earth right, so man is the problem. So how could you not want to support abortion? And I, I understand what, I don't agree with it, but I understand where that logic would take them. But the Democrat Party has enforced an ideological purge of all those who were maybe pro-life. And that's, of course, those in Congress, in the Senate, in the House. But now in America... It has not yet that they have not been purged from the Democrat. They have not changed to either independent or Republican or whatever else. So that's an interesting thing in that you can. it's hard to find a Democrat politician who will support life and who is pro-life, who is not pro-abortion. That should tell us something right there. I hear the music. Got to take another break already, by the way. Um, we are with Pastor Steve Smotherman. Smotherman. He is the senior pastor, Legacy Church in New Mexico. We are going to talk about coronavirus, restrictions against the church, our religious freedom, and persecution. Yes, it is a form of persecution, and this is what we're seeing today. More on Stand Up for the Truth when we come back. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Our now, guest today, back Pastor to Stand Steve Up For Smotherman The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. New Mexico. It is a big church, but it is a solid church. I don't know if you know anybody in that area, but it's, um, what's the website, Steve? LegacyNM? LegacyChurchNM.com. LegacyChurchNM.com. We will link that up in the podcast notes Today at StandUpForTheTruth.com. By the way, the podcast is almost always available by 12 noon. If you guys want to download it or listen or share on social media, our Facebook page has been shadow banned for a couple years, and you have to go to our page to be able to see most of our posts. So just so you know, um, that's what happens to straight talkers and truth defenders, right, Steve? We get the big tech coming against you. Speaking of coming against a church or ministry, your governor and the New Mexico government really came down hard on churches, but could you describe or just share, sum up your battle there at Legacy Church with the government when it comes to the coronavirus and the the initial lockdowns? Because there was a point where you actually did not obey the government, and I would love for you to share that story. Well, um, you know, people, because we're between Texas and Arizona, and you said it already that people don't realize we're probably, if not the most bluest state in America. <laughs> wow. Um, we have no conservative uh, representation in, in Congress. Mm. The governor, the mayors, um, uh, the, uh, you know, Albuquerque is the biggest, largest city in the in the state. Um, they're all most of the city councilors, all but two, are very liberal. Um, not just liberal, progressive liberal. So 
we're, we're always in a fight with them. But when the coronavirus started, um, you know, I wasn't shutting down. We had church. And then the, the president asked us, would you give me a month? And I thought, okay, we'll give you a month. Mm-hmm. And even in that, we were never shut down. I mean, people, I, my staff said, what if people just show up? And I said, we will never, ever tell someone that shows up they can't come in. There's always room in our end. Wow. And, and so people came, and uh, I had uh, someone tell me, man, please don't, if I come here, please don't tell me there's 300 people in your sanctuary. And so one Sunday I came out when we were supposed to be closed, and there was probably at least 300 people out there. And I went, how these people are, they're just coming. And um, and so we, uh, you know, our governor is punishing. She's punitive. I've called her. I mean, she really is evil. And she attacked the church from day one. Her first thing when this came out, she said, don't go to churches or neighborhood associations. Well, I'm watching this like, did she just say churches? I mean, she attacked us from day one. And, um, and when you're a reprobate, you, you, um, you, you don't think soundly. And, and that's what she is. She's, she's just condescending. She's evil. She just, she just, she, she just destroyed our state. Hmm. And, um, and she's been punishing. And so we're the, one of the three most locked down states to this day wow. in all of America. Hmm. And, uh, and we, we don't have much of an issue. I, we, we've had 30,000 cases of COVID with 2.1 million approximate people. And um, that's, that's 1.4%. And she, she continues to lock us down. So I just push back. I just, I just fight back. And, and I've just said, listen, I don't care what you say or do. Um, we're going to continue to have church and we're going to do it. We're going to worship God the way we want to. Because in our state, it's illegal according to her mandates to worship God out loud. In other words, for us to have a worship team up there and for people to you know, lift their hands and praise God uh, out loud, that's illegal. And so I tell the church all the time, we're in our 9, 30, 9 o'clock protest, our 1045 <laughs> protest, our 1230, because she said if you protest, you can do what you want. So we're going to protest now by worshiping God the way we want to. So I constantly push back, and people say, well, why do you do that? Because she has to know that somebody's going to hold her accountable. And if it's Legacy Church, then it's Legacy Church, then we'll lead the way. But she's, going to, she's not going to just do everything with no pushback. Mm. She's going to realize there's voices out there saying, we don't care what you say, you're wrong, you've mismanaged this, you've destroyed our state, but she wants to blame us, the people. She blames us all the time. You New Mexicans aren't doing what I've told you to do, and then she blames Donald Trump. And I'm thinking, what did he have to do with you <laughs> locking down our state? Exactly. And, um, and, and so I just push back on her all the time. We go through the same thing here in Wisconsin with Emperor Evers um, and his mandates, and, and they continue. We're probably not as locked down as you guys are in New Mexico. But um, are there any—so right now, do you have any restrictions at all there as far as the state goes? Because I know your church is probably functioning uh, normally, right? Well, we do. I mean, she gave us 25%. You know, we've taken her to court in federal court twice, um, and now our court case is in the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals um, because she, you know, she gave the church 25%, and I kind of laughed, and I thought, and I've said this publicly, I've sent it from the pulpit, and I know they watch our Facebook Live or YouTube, they watch it. And I, and I said publicly, I said, listen, I don't care what you give us, we're open. And churches went to reservations, you know, making reservations to come. And if you surpass the 25% reservation, then people were denied the entrance into the church. Um, and I've always thought, why would we ever do that? So it was Katie bar the door with me. I just, we opened up and we were open. Hmm. So I'm in federal court and they're asking me, I'm being, I'm on the witness stand and they're asking me the, the, the governor's side, the attorneys are asking me about it. I said, I don't know. We don't count. We don't count our big sanctuary. He goes, you don't count? Well, how do you know? I said, oh, we just know we're under, we always have 25% or less. <laughs> <laughs> so I said that in federal court, and, and then you could almost feel the judge looking at me like, what did you just say? <laughs> so I just said, that's the way it is. So we, we opened up, um, and then we stayed open, and then she's given us 40%. I have a feeling today she's going to try to lock down our state again. And I told the church last night, I've told them before, I don't care what she says, we are never, ever going to close the doors of our church again. If she wants a fight, she's got it, and I'll fight. If we're going to go to court, I'll do it. I care if a judge tells me not to. 
we're never going to close the doors of our church again. And the sad thing about these churches, and you're talking about bigger churches, they are so weak. They don't even understand what this is about. This is about our religious freedom. Yes. In the First Amendment, religious freedom is first. Why? Because without that, we don't have a republic. We don't have a constitution. And, and, and so, so my thought is, if we don't fight for it, listen, if Christians don't believe enough in the Bible to gather together, to make church a priority, then why would the world ever respect us? Mm, good question. And you know what? I'm not trying to be liked, but they will respect us. When we walk into a room, they're going to be like, oh, here we go. You know, instead of, oh, we're all buddies. We're not buddies. We're not friends. This is a fight for our, our ability to worship the God, you know, and I say the God, for us to worship our God, the only true God. But I'm for anybody to have religious freedoms because I want the freedom to worship the only true God. And, and so this is just not a fight with Christians. This is a fight for everybody. And the church has faltered. If I may say this, the church has faltered by buying into this stuff and thinking we have to yield to them. Yes. No, I don't. You have no right to make any laws that inhibit or prohibit me from serving and worshiping uh, the God of the Bible. And so I make that very clear. There's a video on your Facebook page, not the Legacy Church Facebook, but Pastor Steve Smotherman that was posted in June, the title, What It Means to Be Persecuted. And you're sharing your thoughts on that. Steve, a lot of people would say, well, I'm doing what I'm doing to obey the government, not only because of Romans 13, but because I love my neighbor, whether that comes to uh, not attending church or wearing a mask or whatever it might be. How do you respond to that when there's been so much talk in the church and among Christians about unlimited submission? Well, I mean, first of all, it's it's not biblical. It, again, it's the cop out. It's the it's it's really it's not people are dumb. They're just ignorant. They don't they don't know the scriptures. They heard a preacher say, and so they believe it. They didn't study it out themselves. Mm. And we are not we are not called to submit to ungodly rules and orders. Now, if they want me to submit to the speed limit, okay. They want me <laughs> to not steal, great. They you know those things. Are, 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 are they're, they're given, but we're talking about coming against our religious freedoms. And this COVID thing, you know, I, I, I've always come from this premise. When it first started, I told my staff, the very first time we started hearing about it, I said, there's something wrong here. This, this is not what they say it is. Yep. And, and, and I've, I've come from that premise. And then, you know, with the mass thing, and I told our church, we're going to open up safe, sane, and spiritual. We're not going to fight over COVID stuff. And if you want to wear, I told my church, you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You want to wear a hazmat suit, wear what you want to wear that makes you feel safe, but we're going to gather together. But I am not the mask police. I refuse to be. I don't enforce any other laws. Why do I do that? And then they say, well, you don't love your neighbor. No, I do love my neighbor enough to stand up for the truth. This stuff is, is, is not what they say it is. Uh, you know, and I, so that's the way I've approached it. I, I've approached with that mindset and 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 just said, listen, we're not we're, we're not going to submit to ungodly things, and mm. and we're not supposed to. Um, I mean, that's why Paul was in prison and was beaten. And I mean, it's it's amazing what people don't know about the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and, and they they just need to. And, and it's sad that preachers are the ones that are promoting this kind of thinking. Yes, and um, you know why? Because they're afraid mm. and they're scared. And they're living by the spirit of fear instead of the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And worship God. I mean, so a virus keeps us from church. A virus keeps us from worshiping God. A virus keeps us from serving God. Are you kidding me? It's like God was shocked that there's a virus. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Steve, I wish we had more time. We've got about two and a half minutes left. And sadly, it has become political now. Uh, most of us don't want to believe that men would use this to try to some to some political end, but I think that's what's happening. I have a feeling uh, come November, mid-November, think a lot of these restrictions will be lifted gradually, but that's just my cynical mind. Um, I want to get back to really quick your thoughts on Amy Coney Barrett before we wrap up, because this is a huge Supreme Court nomination and potential confirmation and how that could affect the courts. Your thoughts, Steve? Well, I think it's huge. I do think it's huge. You said it. I think it's great. Donald Trump has kept his word to us who helped vote him in. 
and we'll help vote him in again. Um, and the Supreme Court is, is because we don't really have the separation of powers we used to. Um, they're dictating everything. And so now, you know, John Roberts has been a traitor to us in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have another strict constructionist, a true uh, constitutionalist that will sit on the bench and rule with a sound mind and, and rule according to the Constitution. I think it's awesome. I pray she does get confirmed because I have a feeling uh, I, I, something tells me that Trump's going to win big. Uh, but if he doesn't, I think if it ends up in the court, we need people who believe in the Constitution to, to make rulings. And so I think he did what he said. I hope the Republicans get this, uh, get her through and get her confirmed by October 27th and that we, we have another uh, true uh, constitutionalist, someone who believes the Constitution is the Constitution uh, in the United States Supreme Court. So I think it's great. Amen. It is great. And th- this could really change a lot of major cases on a lot of these big issues in America in the years to come if this goes through. And that's another reason they hate Donald Trump. Uh, Pastor Steve Smotherman, thank you so much for your time. And we so appreciate your bold stance, your uncompromising stand on the inerrancy of scriptures, the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. May he continue to bless your ministry and the work of your hands and all that you're doing and your family and protect you as well in Jesus' name. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. Uh, You're very welcome. All right, when we come back, a couple more guests to tell you about. Actually, tomorrow's Friday already, so I'll tell you about tomorrow's podcast, and we'll get to that in a moment. Thanks for listening to Stand Up For The Truth. We'll be right back. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. I'm going to share that uh, presentation that Pastor Steve Smotherman gave at this conference, America at the Crossroads, a month ago in Dallas. It was phenomenal. He got much more in-depth in detail because he had the time, and he was just speaking. He wasn't, didn't have someone like me chiming in and asking him different, different questions. But I will put that link. Uh, you want to watch it. Uh, it's called Be Prepared for Battle Within and Without, because some in his own church came against him when he prayed at the uh, Trump rally or campaign rally uh, in 2016. So fascinating story, gives, shares much more detail. But tomorrow, we're excited to have J.B. Hickson back with us, uh, author and pastor. And um, we're going to be talking about God, church, and COVID-19. He's been doing a series on that, so can't wait to hear some of the bullet points he wants to share. Um, looking ahead to next week, I mentioned libertypastors.com. Liberty Pastors. It might be .org, but I think it's .com. Um, Rick Scarborough is going to be with us. He's talking about the Jonathan Project next Tuesday. And then Leslie Montgomery, Montgomery, she's an author. She wrote a book called The Faith of Mike Pence. We didn't get a chance to talk about the debate last night. I thought uh, I didn't like the first half hour, but I thought by the end, uh, Pence had it in the bag. He was just so much more experienced showing that Kamala Harris was kind of out of her league by the end of that debate. But um, again, debates are what they are. They're not going to change a whole lot as far as people that have already got their minds made up. But we'll see what happens. Anyway, so much more to go tomorrow. We'll uh, talk with J.B. Hickson. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.